is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. It's a battle of good versus evil. And America hangs in the balance. Good versus evil. Now, you know, they've succeeded in their attack on a united society. A society that doesn't see color, but sees merit. What's up, everybody? It's Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S at the end, not a Z. Some of you guys know me from my radio show and podcast. This is America with Rich Valdez. Sometimes I'm on TV, or maybe you know me as Mr. Call Screener, Richie V, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, El Conservador, right here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Mark is off tonight for the holiday. The phone number here, one 381 3811 3811 if you want to disagree. Just make sure you have a valid point. Now, a genuine racist, a true believer in racism, believes that there are somehow more enlightened than everybody else. They're not afraid. In fact, they feel like they're, they're more awakened to th- see things, and they don't care about the damage that's done to people of other races. It doesn't matter. Some of them believe that if it's a white person, that they must be eradicated so that black indigenous people of color can, can drive others to believe that the white European bloodline must be protected. Right? You know, one's arguing one side, the other one's arguing the other. And the rest of us are just naive. And we fail to realize the damage that's being brought by this type of uh, colorism, by this type of racism. And ultimately, to me, it all boils down to evil. And it's good versus evil. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Because this competition between good versus evil is more evident today than it's ever been before. It reminds me of President Ronald Reagan's speech on the evil empire. And I'm going to play a clip for that in a moment. But both the, the racial supremacy from whichever race, they're based in hatred. And they euphemize race and racism for patriotism or for their end-all goal. This is why I hate all ethnocentric beliefs, whether it's black supremacy or white supremacy, I'm from the school where we push American exceptionalism. We get up every day and we fight in the battle of good versus evil. Not necessarily Democrat versus Republican, although it works out that way sometimes. It lately, and it's always been that way, but lately it really feels like the devil's at play. You know, radio legend Paul Harvey had an amazing monologue, and I'm going to read you a portion of it. But first, I want you to hear from probably one of the greatest presidents ever, Ronaldus Magnus, as El Rushbo called him, because uh, President Ronald Reagan, he, uh, he gave this speech, and I think he hit the nail on the head. How oftentimes find as I'm doing the show prep that he always nails it. What I'm trying to say, he's already said. So check this out, P- Ronald Reagan. I, a number of years ago, I heard a young father a very prominent young man in the entertainment world, addressing a tremendous gathering in California. It was during the time of the Cold War, and communism and our own way of life were very much in people's minds, and he was speaking to that subject. And suddenly, though, I heard him saying, 
I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die no longer believing in God. There were, there were thousands of young people in that audience. They came to their feet with shouts of joy. They had instantly recognized the profound truth in what he had said with regard to the physical and the soul and what was truly important. Yes, let us pray for the salvation of all of those who live in that totalitarian darkness. Pray they will discover the joy of knowing God. But until they do, let us be aware that while they preach the supremacy of the state, declare its omnipotence over individual man and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth, they are the focus of evil in the modern world. It was C.S. Lewis who in his unforgettable screw tape letters wrote, the greatest evil is not done now in those sordid dens of crime that Dickens loved to paint. It is not even done in concentration camps and labor camps. In those, we see its final result. But it is conceived and ordered, moved, seconded, carried, and minuted in clear, carpeted, warmed, and well-lighted offices by quiet men with white collars and cut fingernails and smooth-shaven cheeks who do not need to raise their voice. Well, because these quiet men do not raise their voices, because they sometimes speak in soothing tones of brotherhood and peace, because like other dictators before them, they're always making their final territorial demand, some would have us accept them at their word and accommodate ourselves to their aggressive impulses. But if history teaches anything, it teaches that simple-minded appeasement or wishful thinking about our adversaries is folly. It means the betrayal of our past, the squandering of our freedom. So I urge you to speak out against those who would place the United States in a position of military and moral inferiority. You know, I've always believed that old screw tape reserved his best efforts for those of you in the church. So in your discussions of the nuclear freeze proposals, I urge you to beware the temptation of pride, the temptation of blithely uh, declaring yourselves above it all and label both sides equally at fault, to ignore the facts of history and the aggressive impulses of an evil empire, to simply call the arms race a giant misunderstanding and thereby remove yourself from the struggle between right and wrong and good and evil. Now, while the times have changed, Reagan was right about the fact that we have to be weary. We have to be warned not to get caught up in this evil empire because there are some smooth talkers out there. Not the least of which is the one that's permeating society right now with the book he wrote, The Communist Manifesto. And if you're a regular listener to this program, you know all about Karl Marx. And I want to get into a little bit of Karl Marx. And I mentioned uh, Paul Harvey a little while ago. But recently, a friend of Mark Levin's, Dr. Paul Kengor, I uh, had him on my program, This is America with Rich Valdez, and we did a great interview. And 
we talked about the introduction to his book. And in the introduction to his book, there's an excerpt where it discusses what Marx was doing before he wrote the Communist Manifesto. And it says, well before Karl Marx was writing about the hell of communism, he was writing about hell. Thus heaven, and here's a quote from Marx, thus heaven I've fortified, I know it full well. And excuse me, that's forfeited. So he's forfeited heaven and he knows it full well. He wrote that in a poem in 1837, decades before his manifesto. He goes on to say, quote, my soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell. End quote. That certainly seemed to be the perverse destiny for Marx's ideology, which was consigned to death for over 100 million souls in this 20th century. Now, there's no other theory in all of history that's led to the deaths of so many innocent lives. How could the father of lies, the devil himself, not be involved? Well, that reminds me of this statement, this... Uh, it was really a mini monologue that Paul Harvey specialized in. Paul Harvey, many years ago, very courageous and devoted American broadcaster, he had this, this message called, If I Were the Devil. And I found it to be remarkable because considering that it was written in the 1950s, I believe, uh, 1964, excuse me, and he updated it a couple of times over the years, you know, the version I'm going to read to you is from 1996. But this started in the 60s because people saw this stuff starting in the 1950s. And he says, this is Paul Harvey, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the world in darkness and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. I wouldn't be happy until I'd seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's good is bad and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach them to pray after me, our father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd teach authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whomever I could. I'd sell tobacco and alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil... I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have the mesmerizing media fanning their flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools, and this is where he goes after the young, to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild until before you know it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon, I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, then from the houses of Congress. 
and in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors to misuse boys, girls, and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make symbols out of an Easter egg and another symbol for Christmas into a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you bet I could get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich? I would caution against extremes and hard work and patriotism. Forget moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public. I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there are no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep on doing what I'm doing. That's Paul Harvey, originally in 1964. This leftist quest to destroy all things good and holy is intentional, and it's got to be stopped by you. So more on that straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. That's Valdez with an S on all the social media. And take a second and click on the check mark to subscribe to my show on iHeartRadio or through your podcast app. This is America with Rich Valdez. You can listen anytime. Again, Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, America, welcome back, and Merry Christmas, happy, uh, happy holidays, right? Let's keep it politically correct. Speaking of politically correct and speaking of Marxists and leftists, uh, let's call them whack jobs for now, shall we? AOC is in conversation with Noam Chomsky. Now, this is in a magazine called Jacobin or Jacobin. I'm not sure where they put the accent on that one, but... It's interesting. It's in this uh, jacobinmag.com. It says, AOC in conversation with Noam Chomsky, and she has a conversation with him. This is the introduction that they give for him. So now you know this is something I would read maybe for show prep, but not something that I would typically read on a regular day. Listen to this. At 93, Noam Chomsky is the most important leftist intellectual alive. At 32 years old, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, all out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, is one of our most important leftist elected officials. This is what they're saying in this, this article. Uh, by, doesn't even say who it's by at this point. Anyway, the two recently spoke about prospects for winning a better world. Now, the, the whole contents of it there, maybe I'll tweet this out so you guys can see it. But I found the, the, the article was interesting. It's really just kind of a transcript of the interview. But what's more interesting is this actual exchange between the two. Now, 
This is less than a minute, so I'm going to go for it. Let's check out cut number one, AOC uh, on the Laura Flanders show. Check this out. I do think that there is a dam breaking, uh, both in electoral politics, but also in organizing beyond our electoral system, like what we're seeing with uh, the precipitation of strikes on a scale that really has not been seen in many years. And I think it's uh, it's a bit of an emperor with no clothes type of situation for our political establishment and our capitalist systems, where people are beginning to realize that once we name these systems and describe them, that this water that they are that people have been swimming in actually has a name and there is alternative that people can come up for air uh, if we try to explore alternative ways of doing things. So she talks about describing things. So I'm going to say this. Forget the water I'm swimming in, AOC, all out crazy. What I think you should do is take a look at the Kool-Aid that you're sipping, right? You said you want to describe these systems. So I'm going to describe the system. Leftism, Marxism, communism. How about this one? How about we reject all of it? How about we forget about all of it? Because you're saying that this is the way to make change, not only at the ballot box, but beyond the ballot box. Now, I don't, I don't have a, an issue with that so much because I think that's exactly what I'm telling to my team, the patriots, the conservatives, the libertarians. I want them to make a change at the ballot box, but more so in their communities beyond the ballot box because this is about worldview. This is about how you see the world. And when she says that people are beginning to realize and there's a dam breaking, I'm saying, you know what? I think the dam is breaking on our side. I think we're the ones that are cutting through the AOC noise, but I'm not going to take her for granted. I know that she's making a lot of noise out there. So we're going to continue to follow this conversation straight ahead on the other side. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, sitting in for the great one tonight. And we were just talking about AOC and her communist sympathizing grandpa crush, Noam Chomsky. Not to be confused with her communist sympathizing grandpa, Bernie Sanders, Bernard Sanders. These guys, these are the people she surrounds herself with. But anyway, these are the people that we got to keep an eye on. I want to read you something. It's, in my opinion, it's a, it's a really, really poignant statement. The counter-revolution to the American re- revolution is in full force, and it can no longer be dismissed or ignored, for it is devouring our society and culture, swirling around our everyday lives, and ubiquitous in our politics, schools, media, and entertainment. Once a mostly unrelatable fringe and subterranean movement, it's here. It's everywhere. You, your children, and your grandchildren are now immersed in it, and it threatens to destroy the greatest nation ever established, along with your freedom, your family, and your security. Of course, the primary difference between the counter-revolution and the American Revolution is that the former seeks to destroy American society and impose autocratic rule, and the latter sought to protect American society and institute representative government. That's a quote from the great one, Mark Levin. It's actually the first paragraph of American Marxism. Pick up a copy uh, at Amazon or wherever you want. It's like 14 bucks right now. So uh, get two, give one as a gift. But Mark nailed it right there. It's so true. And 
as much as we appreciate the national treasure, the great one, Mark Levin, we don't really need that because they tell us. They tell us in everything they do. When they do these interviews, they put it all on display. AOC goes on to brag about what's uh, encouraging for her, incredibly encouraging for her, is how the masses are adopting the Green New Deal. And she even goes on to take a little swipe at Cuomo because she says, you know what, when I got elected, Cuomo was like, oh, it's, it's a fluke. It's a fluke. It was a mistake. Nobody meant to elect her. Right? Instead, he's ousted, his brother's ousted, and she's killing it, killing the game. So I want you to hear her, her approach because she takes this stuff really seriously. Check this out. You know, after I won, there was such a large concerted attempt and continues to be a large concerted attempt by media to marginalize not just my victory, but what happened in our community. This was a fluke. It was a, I mean, you have the former governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, within days saying this was a complete accident. You had every, every major elected official and Democratic Party uh, member trying to dismiss what happened. Yeah, I'm trying to dismiss her too, because listen, I mean, it's, 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 it's miserable trying to listen to her, but I want you to hear where she's at. Because she's there throwing it out there, saying the media is against her. She's a darling of the media. But yet she says that, that the media has dismissed her and her movement. Now, she goes on to say that what is uh, the, the best news ever is that people are accepting this Green New Deal. And we're going to play a little piece of that. And then I want you to hear from Chomsky. Check this out. Cut three. What is incredibly encouraging is the mass adoption of this blueprint. And so once it was released and submitted to the House of Representatives, Um, and publicly available, we started to see movements across the United States that were undercover, that were not covered by media, but municipalities and states across the country started to adopt these targets on municipal levels. You know, what I think, though, is that we can't underestimate what we are standing up against. Uh, We know, and there's there's a popular sense and understanding that so much of Congress is captured by big money, dark money, Wall Street, and special interests. But what I don't Hang think on a is- second, AOC. So you're trying to say that the Green New Deal in and of itself is not a special interest? Because that is uh, the pot calling the, the kettle black, right? I mean, there's nothing but money in this environmental movement. And they're using it to try and, and replace the current economic system we have known as capitalism, the free market. They hate the free market. Because it's true liberty. The free market allows you to be poor and come up on your bootstraps, which she says is not not a real thing. But I can tell you just my own experience. Poor kid. I've actually held a block of government cheese in my hands as a little kid in Brooklyn, New York. Today, I buy my cheese in a store. I'm doing a little bit better, okay? (laughs) Not, Not quite there yet. I haven't made it to the deluxe apartment in the sky like the Jeffersons. But my point is people can make it. And AOC is a perfect example of that. Not only, and I'm not not talking about her, I'm talking about her dad, where she comes from. Her dad went to a good magnet school, came out of the Bronx, moved to the the suburbs where Mr. Producer lives, moved in right next to them, right? If you didn't know that, AOC is Mr. Producer's neighbor, but became an architect and did his thing. And I don't mean to talk about her family, but I'm just trying to make a, a point that education allowed him to excel and he made something out of himself and it wasn't a bureaucrat. He didn't use the government Even if there was support from the government, he made his own way. He didn't start a government-funded architecture firm. That's the point I'm making. He used the free markets. He came up on his bootstraps just like so many people have. 
but she wants to beat this into the skulls of the masses because it's been beaten into her skull while she was at Boston College, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, let's let her continue. Understood is that this money is oil money that fuels Wall Street, uh, that captures Congress. But what is also, you know, what is so important to recognize is that our systems and our avenues for action are not just limited to electoralism. And when we engage, when we engage as far as we can to the limits of electoralism, then we also re-engage in our capacities outside of our electoral system, whether it's the withholding of labor or other sorts of grassroots actions. All right, that's enough. Her and her grassroots actions and her climate change and all that stuff, you get the point. This is what they're about, creating social change. And that's what I want to underscore here, because this isn't so much about the debate where, you know, she says, oh, but the, the world's going to end in 12 years. Ah! And then we come up and say, no, 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 it's not because we love oil. That's that's noise. The, the point here is that she's mobilizing beyond. It's always 10 steps ahead. We're going to get to the colleges. She's thinking we got to get to the high schools. We got to get to kindergarten. Pre-K? How about universal pre-K, anybody? When was the last time you heard a conservative say, you know what, I'm going to become a pre-K teacher because I got to get to these kids before the left does. I haven't heard that one. Don't know if you have. Now, we can't fight this fire if we're not pointing the fire hose in the right direction. And that's what I'm talking about. To me, that's like my, uh, my mantra in life is we've got to go at them where they're at. You can't fight unless you're in the ring. You got to get in the ring to take a swing. That's just the bottom line here. Now, Noam Chomsky, in this uh, interview, which was about a month ago, but I read about it yesterday in this December 15th uh, article here in uh, Jacobin Mag, or Jacobin, however you like to say it. Noam Chomsky says on the Lara Flanders show that the Green New Deal is essential for survival. Check this out. We have just been, I should say that Congresswoman AOC's resolution recently reintroduced is uh, absolutely essential for survival. I'd actually like to know what you think the prospects are for moving it forward. Either something like that resolution will be implemented or we're doomed. It's that simple. It's that simple. The only thing that's truly simple here, in my opinion, is that they're trying to systemically, systematically, fundamentally change everything that you've grown up with. And if it would truly were for something that would actually benefit America, I'd be all for it. Listen, I recycle as much as the next guy does, maybe even a little more. I think we do have to protect the environment. We're not going to trash everything. But the point that every last glacier that melts and every last tornado is the result of me driving an SUV with a big tank is crazy to me. But more crazy is that you go to the other side and people are like, no, no, because that's those are these directed energy weapons and they're controlling the weather. And, and I'm thinking, my gosh, I am stuck in a whirlwind here. I, <laughs> I just want to be able to do what I got to do. And you've got these extremes on both ends. We've got to focus on fixing the problem, not exacerbating the problem. I don't need 10 different theories, whether they're conspiracy or otherwise. We need a solution. I always use this example because it makes the most sense to me. If you get punched in the face, don't sit there and wait and say, excuse me, sir, why are you punching me in the face? What did I do to you? What am I going to do? No, that's not the response. You stop them from punching you in the face. 
The left is punching us in the face figuratively. We have to stop that. We have to cut it out. Anyway, keep it locked right there. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez in for the great one. Mark Lovin. Welcome back. Mark Levin Show, Rich Valdez. You guys know me as Mr. Call Speaker. I'm typically being very, very curt and abrupt and hanging up the phone when you're off topic. But today I'm melodious and, uh, you know, doing what I do on the microphone. So thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Now we're talking about how AOC and Noam Chomsky are chopping it up with this host, uh, Ms. Flanders, and they're talking about things and oh, everything's out of control because of the Green New Deal and it's essential for survival. But guess what? We go from essential for survival to saying, you know what, we don't even need your jobs. We're going to work with the government, hand in glove, iron fist in the government glove, to manipulate wages. Right, And that's what they're doing with this uh, general strike that they've created. Workers of the world, unite! Right, It's happening all over again, and that's why we're seeing it. People are calling it the great, I don't know, the great quit, the great quit off, or whatever it's called. I don't know, Mr. Producer, if you see that, that term they're using for everybody quitting jobs and preferring to be on unemployment. Um, and, and I get it. Circumstances are tough. Trust me. I know that firsthand. But... This is what they're talking about. And AOC and Noam Chomsky, they, they go into this um, great uh, strike, the general strike. Listen to this. Very much. It's a sign that the one-sided class war of the last 40 years is becoming two-sided. The population is actually beginning to participate instead of just accepting the hammer blows. We now are having a huge strike. Uh, one of the major strikes in American history when workers are simply saying we're not going to go back to the rotten, oppressive jobs, precarious, rotten circumstances, no health. We're just not going to accept it. Mm -hmm. And that's a major factor in the economy now. And yes, it's a strike. And it's showing up in other ways too. Uh, the, uh, uh, there are for example, the, the teacher strikes were quite important. These are non-unionized red states. Tremendous popular support. I happen to live in Arizona, where one of them was. Uh, signs on every lawn supporting the teachers. Not a radical state by any means. They were not just calling for better wages, which they greatly deserve, but for saving the children saving the public school, public education, which has been under severe attack for 45 years. Well, the attack on public education, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to save this whole little uh, bark that I have stored inside of me for on um, public education. We're going to get to that in hour number two. But what he's talking about here is that, you know, they went from saying, oh, my gosh, everything the world is ending in the name of the Green New Deal. But by the way, we have to say that we're not going to work and we're going to we're going to move the needle in our direction. And then they go on to say, you know what? The big deal here is that it's all about white supremacy, right? Because environmentalism is racism, white supremacy is racism, everything is racism. And yes, white supremacy is racism, <laughs> granted. But they equate everything to racism because they know that's the one hot button issue where nobody wants to be a racist. And the handful of people that do want to be a racist, well, you know, they're scumbags. What are you going to do? Anyway, I want you to listen to this final cut. I promise not to give you any more of Noam Chomsky and his 800-year-old soliloquy. But listen to Noam Chomsky talking about white supremacy. Check this out. We should recognize that 
white male supremacy is a deep current in American history. It's not going to go away immediately. Uh, it's, uh, but there have been dense, significant ones. So, for example, uh, even in the mainstream, uh, when the New York Times ran the 1619 project, it couldn't have happened a couple of years earlier. And it's because of changes in general consciousness and awareness. Of course, there was an immediate backlash, strong backlash. And you're going to expect that. White male supremacy is a deep part of American history and culture. To extirpate it is not going to be easy. Now, so you've heard, and I let him say his whole point so nobody accuses me of cutting him short and not giving him the context he deserves, right? Now, it's white supremacy and public schools that are under attack and they're evil and the general strike because capitalism is bad, capitalism is racism, environmentalism is racism. Uh, everybody needs some sort of justice, right? You need environmental justice. You need justice in every area of society. Instead of just justice overall, which should apply to every area of society, they modify these words because their intent is to manipulate everything in the name of the Green New Deal and everything else. So let's hit the phones. I want to know what you think about this. Our phone number here, 877-381-3811. If you want to disagree, 877-381-3811. If you have a comment to add to the conversation, let's go to New York City, where AOC is from, Queens, New York, WABC. Let's go to BJ in Queens. Hello, Mr. Valdez. Uh Merry Christmas to you, your great audience, and to Mark himself. Uh, I live in AOC country, and uh, if Sorry you uh, want to keep voting for... Oh, I know, I am, but, you know, I tell you, it's going to turn around. We're going to get the right people in soon, uh, because it can't get any... It's got to get worse before it gets better. They take a beautiful jewel of a neighborhood, a traditional neighborhood, and they make everything equal. That is to say, they make it as lousy as possible. Homeless on the streets, crazy e-bikes, congestion. Uh, people don't call the police anymore because they don't really uh, rely on the police to settle any type of differences. And this is the Democrat mantra. What they want to do is they want to run energy. If they run energy, uh, they will control the entire economy and uh, energy and big government is god to these people not your the your god or the god of anyone else's choosing and that's really all you need to do and uh, to to understand and, and one other thing mm -hmm. if you think AOC is an isolated problem you're wrong AOC is just the second flank uh she will AOC one day is spreading like omicron the left is spreading like every variant that we've got out there. Go ahead, BJ. I'm sorry. I just needed to share that. No, you're, you're, you're 100% right. She will one day, if she continues to have success amongst the people who, who think that she is the answer, she's going to one day run for president. So all of this leftist insanity, this American Marxism, will be exported to all over the country. You're right. She uh, will paint the White House green. Thank you, BJ, for your call. The music means I got a boogie. But don't miss Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday at 8 p.m. The great one, Mark Levin, on the Fox News channel. He's got some great guests. Don't miss it. We're going to talk about China, China, and a bunch of other stuff on the other side. And I'm going to talk about public schools a little bit. Rich Valdez in for the great one.
blasting them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What's up, America? Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. Stick with me. It's the best three hours of talk radio. There's only two hours left. Welcome to Hour 2 if you're just joining the show. At Rich Valdez on all the social media if you want to chime in or give us a call, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811 if you want to disagree. And we were just talking about AOC, Noam Chomsky, a bunch of crazy stuff, the Green New Deal. I want to move it into a different direction. I want to talk about my buddy. He's not really my buddy, but I say my buddy to be polite. Joel Baboso Biden. That's right. The 46th president of the United States. And what a, what a miserable job he's doing. And we're going to talk about that from a few different angles. But because we were talking about AOC, and we're going to tie this in in a second, but I want to read this headline to you. Alleged fentanyl traffickers busted in Queens released without bail. So we're going to get to fentanyl in a second. That was just a little tease because I don't want to forget myself. But I want to talk about Joe El Baboso Biden and what people think. And it's because of the media, in my opinion. I mean, at least part of it. You know, this is all spokes in a wheel. The media paints a picture that they're not even able to, to protect them anymore, right? They, they tried to prop them up and make them look fantastic. Joe Biden, best thing ever. When we all know it was, you know, this was an anti-Trump sentiment from some people because of the media. And now the media can't even cover for Joe El Baboso Biden. But listen to this statistic. And I saw this in my email from uh, Convention of States. Really, really interesting. More than 75% of Americans say the media's primary goal is advancing their own political agenda. Crazy stuff, right? 76.3 to be exact uh, percentage. 76.3% of Americans now believe the establishment media's primary goal is to push its own political agenda, according to a poll from Trafalgar Group and the Convention of States. Now, 62%, uh, 62.7% of Democrats believe that the primary focus of the mainstream media's coverage of current events is to advance their own opinions or political agenda, while 70, excuse me, 37.3 believe that finding and reporting facts is their main objective. So you have this one group that says, no, no, they're in it to win it. These guys are the real deal. They're legit. And then the overwhelming amount of people think they're fake, they're phony, they're fraud, like the late, great Bob Grant used to say. So where does that put us? That puts us with a fake phony fraud in the White House, Joe El Baboso Biden, and a media that's supporting him, and now they don't know what to do. Now they're trying to shake things up at CNN to see if they can repair it. And you've got journalism professors that are trying to come to the rescue, clean up in aisle six, clean up in aisle six, try to make things better. You know, this one woman that's quoted in this article here on neonnettle.com. Associate Professor of Journalism at the University of Minnesota, Duluth, Jennifer Moore, said organizations are often held to the standard of objectivity, but such a myth is a standard not fully reflecting the job of good reporting. I tell students they need to be fair in their reports and seek the truth and tell the truth, Miss Moore told the New York Times. <laughs> what a great punchline. So what, what's the deal with the objective reporting? Is there a... Uh, is there is it going to be tied to enslavement and structural racism? And she goes on because there's two sides to the story, she says. Anyway, you get the point. This is where they're at. And if you want to really get the scoop on that, read Levin's book on freedom of the press. Terrific book, really breaks it down. And most people can see right through this anyway. Now, we all know that the, the cover up, the con job that's happening in the media 
is only happening because they believe that you eat up everything they say. But now that they know that you, you know, you're calling BS on that, they're, they're scaling it back a little bit. Even comedians, right? You know, I love hip hop music and I listen to, to Hot 97 in the morning and I don't, don't mean to shout out other radio stations, but they're not a talk station. It's a hip hop music station with a great morning show, but it gets so political I have to turn it off sometimes because they don't agree with me at all. They, they spew the, the left wing venom, but that's okay. Everybody has uh, free speech rights. They're on their soapbox. But uh, it, when it gets out of hand, it gets out of hand. And one of the, the former jocks from that station, he's a stand-up comic, and I follow him on Instagram, and he had this joke. It's like 20 seconds, but it was so funny. I want you to hear it. Check this out. He's not even, he's, nobody was happy that he won. They were just happy Trump lost. You know what I mean? Biden's just uh, rebound president. <laughs> But 2024, we're going to get back with our ex. Come on. Canada, you ready for watching more American news? So there you have it. Even the comedians in New York City. This guy's a Puerto Rican guy on a hip-hop station, or was on a hip-hop station. And he's saying, look, Biden's the rebound president. He's the one, you know, we, we broke up with Trump. You go with the first good thing you think you see, but eventually you dump Biden and you get back with your ex, Trump, in 24. I thought that was so funny because that's not me saying it. These are regular, everyday people, you know, from, from the five boroughs that are saying it. So anyway, I want to get your thoughts on this and a bunch of other stuff. I know there's a few people holding on. Thank you so much for holding on. I appreciate that. Let's go to uh, Bill. Bill is out in Jersey. What's up, Bill? You're on with Rich Valdez, Mark Levin Show. All right, Bill. All right, Bill, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Let's go to Susan. Susan. Susan's in Brooklyn, New York, WABC. What's going on, Susan? Hey, hey, Rich. Yes, always good to hear you. Thank you. Uh, I, just going back to the, um, the Green New Hoax, um, this, uh, going back to July of, like, 2019, uh, AOC's uh, chief of staff, Chakrabarty. Yeah. He was in a meeting with uh, the governor of uh, Washington State, and a, um, a, re a reporter, I'm sure many reporters, but one from the Washington Post happened to be there. And when they were, uh, Inslee was, you know, talking about climate change, and uh, Chakrabarty, who apparently wrote the Green New Deal over a weekend, he was like, oh, you think this is about climate change? I'm quoting him now. The interesting thing about the Green New Deal is it's not originally a climate thing at all. He said it's just about um, it's just about changing the whole. How do you change the entire economy thing? You're 100 percent right. Changing the economy has always been a goal of theirs. That's the the whole um, impetus for Marxism in many ways, right? Workers of the world unite. We have to own the means of production and take it away from he who actually built the business. I think you're spot on with that. And the media also soft pedals this stuff when they uh, include coverage of these things. So whether it's AOC, whether it's Joe Biden, the media is always out there doing a cover up one way or another. Um, did we actually get Bill back or no? All right, let's go for it. Let's go to Bill. Jersey. How you doing today? All right, Bill, you're doing it great now. Yeah, right, go for it. Thank you. Hey, four, four, yeah, four, well, same to you. And uh, there's four scientific facts I can say that anybody can look up to prove that they're lying about the global warming. Uh, number one, Krakatoa. Remember Krakatoa? Nope. Krakatoa was a volcano that went off in 18... Same to you, your mother. 
Now, uh, yeah. So when it went off, it actually was the year without a summer. So all that carbon that they're talking about actually made it colder, not warmer. Okay. The other scientific fact is in the New Jersey, filled up in New York area, which you'll remember, uh, back in 1968, um, you know, Nixon put the Clean Air Act in and literally eliminated 98% of the air pollution in their area. And what happened after that? It got warmer because the air pollution was gone. Do you remember well, you the know, mini- Bill, there's always fluctuations in this stuff. And I think you're right. There, there's so many facts that are out there that you can always put out there. I, I didn't really beat on them to specifically drill down on the Green New Deal, but I think you're right. There is so much data out there. There's scientists, there's actual, you know, climatologists that I've spoken with that have told me, you know, no, that stuff is a hoax. These guys are being paid just like the guys in Congress are paid. And like the joke that goes around, these they should be wearing like the NASCAR drivers. They should be wearing their sponsors on their suits. You know, <laughs> Dr. Fauci would have Pfizer and all these other people all over him. It would be insane. But that's exactly what happens today. And this is part of the problem. And this is one of those areas where I think AOC and me might agree that we got to get some of the money out of politics. But Citizens United, and not that I'm against that decision, because I think people have free speech rights, and and I think it just makes it very challenging. And, you know, this is um, one of those tensions to manage, as they say. But thank you, Bill. I appreciate the call. Let me see if we can uh, do one more. We've got Trisha in Trumbull, Connecticut. Trisha, welcome to the program. Rich Valdez in for Mark Levin. Hi, Rich. Um, I agree with what you're saying. It's not making the Christmas spirit helpful, but uh, what you quoted from Paul Harvey, and um, it's it's a war on our country, our sovereignty, everything that's good, law and order, civil society, as Mark always used to talk about. Um, They've taken over the schools. Uh, they've taken over cities, my birth city, Portland, Oregon. Um, I don't even want to go back there. It's a beautiful city, but they've destroyed it in places like San Francisco, where I also used to live. Um, there's an interesting short quote I found from Lord Acton, progress, the religion of those who have none. <laughs> and it seems to me that it is definitely a war uh of good and evil. Um, do you do you think these politicians that want to micromanage every aspect of our lives? They want to, us to become pincushions for every um, mandated vaccine and booster, and they want us to just equally shared misery. Um, do you think the primary motivation is is they don't? They, they defy God or that their primary if they want power and money. You know, Tricia, I think that the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And you're right. This is a battle of good versus evil. So some people get in for the money. Some people get in for the fame. Some people are little, little men figuratively and, and literally, and they want to be bigger men and they want to be involved in things. And, and whichever way it is, some people get in for the righteous battle. Washington's filled with people. But the one thing that happens in Washington is that cash rules everything around me, like the Wu-Tang Clan said. And that brings power. And that's the problem that we face. So you really, it's about virtue. The Constitution was clear. The founders were very clear when they put it together and the other founding documents that without virtue, none of this stuff works. If we no longer have integrity, if we don't care, if we don't, pardon my uh, Francais, give a damn, we're all screwed, Susan. I mean, Tricia, excuse me. And that's the problem. 
So we have to care. We have to, to give a damn. And the people that go to Washington have to give a damn. And if they don't, we got to replace them with somebody who does. And if they don't, we got to keep replacing them. And that's why we have elections for Congress every two years, at least in my opinion. At least that's what it's evolved to. So, yeah, I think it's a mix of everything. The, the depravity of the heart, the depravity of the mind. And you're right. It's a, it's a battle for hearts and minds. That's exactly what we're going after. And I appreciate your call. Don't move a muscle. There's a lot more to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about what Biden had to say about him winning in 2024 and what the Republicans need to watch out for. Rich Valdez in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. America, what's up? Welcome back. Rich Valdez in for the great one at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And that's Rich Valdez with an S, by the way. Now, check this out. We were talking about uh, Joe El Baboso Biden and all of the funny things he's saying and what the comedians are saying about him and how he's a laughing stock of everything. And I got some audio I want to play about that. But I want to tell you a story, right? Because uh, there's just so much I want to talk about. I'm having like ADD in my brain, right? I want to talk about the last year was just going to be a cold, dark winter. Now, this year, it's, you're going to die this winter, right? And we're going to get to that because Biden's just so out of control. But I want to talk about public schools, right? Because that I got triggered when I saw the word public school. It was a microaggression in AOC's audio clip when she said public schools and when Chomsky said public schools. I, I, it reminded me of something I had to do today as a result of public schools. Now, I, I support public schools. I was a... Um, public school, charter public school founder and school board member for just about a decade, about almost nine years on the board, plus the the founding part, which took about a year and a half and all that, with a, a bunch of excellent people. And um, I w- I'm proud to say they were all fantastic. I was the weak link, really, really just top-notch people. And uh, it's an excellent school, beloved community charter school, Jersey City, New Jersey. Check it out if you want. But what I want to talk about is is how poorly people are managing this coronavirus craziness with public schools. So, you know, I get a call in the middle of my show prep for, you know, for this little show called The Mark Levin Show. You know, it's got 14 million terrestrial listeners, about another 6 million on the podcast downloads, not to mention SiriusXM Satellite, which we can't even get numbers for. That's about 20 million people that are about to hear this program, expecting to hear from the great one, Mark Levin, and getting me, right? So I really got to bring my A game and do my best here. And in the middle of my prep, I get a call, and it's because my daughter happened to be around somebody that tested positive for coronavirus. Now, of course, we go and we take her, get a rapid test and whatnot. But the issue is you've got to pick her up right away. She's got to be removed from the school. And my thinking is, why do we employ health professionals in schools? Why isn't the registered nurse or the licensed practical nurse or the... Um, you know, physician's assistant or whomever the medical professional is in the nurse, why are they not able to administer a test? Now, somebody might say, oh, they can't do that. They can't give aspirin. They can't do anything, right? They're just there for show. These are all union contracts that prevent these things, right? Anything can be changed because in the middle of a pandemic, we changed the way we voted, right? We had to go to mail-in voting. We can change anything in the name of coronavirus except what a nurse can do to a student that may need a Tums, or a student that may need a rapid test. I've gotten a rapid test, and I can tell you it was never a nurse that did it. It was a girl wearing scrubs who worked in a doctor's office. So my point here is, why? Why do we do this? And it's because of unions. And if we dig a little deeper, we find out who runs these unions and what motivates these unions. And it's not the best interest of children. 
It's the best interest of themselves, their power, and they use their members as pawns. And this is the problem. And this is exactly what the Democrats do time and again. In, in the larger uh, macro sense, they use all of us as pawns to get to where they want to go. So, you've, you know, I was really, really upset by this. And I'm not so much upset with my local school district as much as I would love to see them change these policies and say, you know what, we're going to test kids in-house. And in 15 minutes, we're going to know if this kid is positive or not. And we're going to send them home for 14 days. But that's, that's their alternative now is, oh, you know what, you go home for 14 days, figure out a test, maybe we'll have you back in 10. Wow, what a great policy. Whatever happened to compulsory education? Well, we'll give her a computer. I just wanted to get on my soapbox about that because I think it's wrong. It's not good for children, especially children that are involved in sports. Now they have to segregate from their team. And it makes you think, I'm not the guy that's going to say, is it because my kid is brown? Of course not. But they're the first ones to say that. So I think we've got to do a better job. And man, if they make me start taking off at night to join the school board and run for office, I will. I hope it doesn't happen. But anyway, straight ahead, we're going to talk about what Biden's saying we might have to do, what Fauci says we have to do, and what Bill El Bobo de Blasio is doing in New York City. Don't move a muscle. Rich Valdez in for the great ones. The cost of freedom is high, but this phone call is not. Call Mark Levin toll-free at 877-381-3811. Welcome back. Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Check out the account. Give it a follow. Let's stay in touch. Now, I want to talk about, excuse me, I want to talk about what's going on with fentanyl. Right, I'm looking at a piece in the Post Millennial. It says fentanyl overtakes COVID-19 as leading cause of death for adults between 18 and 45. Now, this is not an opinion piece. <laughs> Let's just get that out there. Fentanyl has overtaken COVID-19 as the leading cause of death for adults between 18 and 45. What is the public school doing about fentanyl? Because we know what they're doing about COVID-19. And that's the point I'm making. How many people have died from Omicron? Am I saying it right? Am I doing it right? Let me know. Omicron, right? This is not good. No bueno. But here's the, uh, the statistic on this. For the time frame between January 1st, 2020 and December 15th, 2021, 53,000 people have died of COVID-19. But as many as 79,000 people have died from fentanyl. Wow. So which one of these is, is the more dire situation here in the United States? Now, this was spotlighted by Fox News, who highlighted parties that raised the alarm about the recently published CDC data. The Families Against Fentanyl activist group highlighted the issue of fentanyl poisoning on their Twitter on Wednesday. And they went on, it goes on, you can read this on your own time, but that's the big number right there. Now, they're trying to interdict as much of this stuff as they can, and I get that. But you can only do that if you have a border patrol, because let me ask you this. Where's the fentanyl coming from? China. It's coming from China by way of ports and typically the border. And this is where it's wide open. Now, how much of a benefit of the doubt are we going to give to our politicians that continue to allow an open border? How much? You tell me at what point we're allowed to say, I don't know if I buy all this stuff. I think that you might just be letting these people, you know, hey, I'm not going to look the other way, you guys. Whatever falls off the truck falls off the truck. You know what I'm saying? 
I think we're having a deal like that with Joe Biden, and it wouldn't surprise me. Then he sends Hunter, the bag man, to, to clean it up and collect his fee. Now, we just saw the article that I read in, um, in Queens that these fentanyl dealers were arrested and then let out with no bail. They're not even being held, so they can do it again. People that are perpetrating and perpetuating this crime are going willy-nilly. But when you ask, you know, what's going on, the White House always has a song and dance, whether it's Jen Pacircle Back Pasaki, Silent P, or her stand-in, Karine Jean-Pierre. And whether you're asking about the border and the people that are sneaking in or this fentanyl that might be sneaking in, you don't even get an answer. I want you to listen to what Karine Jean-Pierre had to say. Check this out. First, uh, a little before you came out here, a uh, report for us. Why is the administration suspending talks for cash payments to the families of illegal immigrants separated at the border? If the president has said, you lost your child, it's gone, you deserve some kind of compensation no matter the circumstance. Did he change his mind? Does he no longer think that these people need compensation? So, Peter, it's ongoing litigation, so I would refer you to the DOJ. I, I can't speak from, from it from here, about it from here. Oh, you can't speak. <laughs> of course you can't. Right. This is a she's like a miniature version of Jen for circle back Pasaki, where she's not going to circle back. She's just like, hey, I can't talk. I can't do the press secretary thing with you, Peter. Thank you. Have a good day. You're doing it wrong. All right. Take care. Brush your hair. Now we, we move on. Right. So we have this situation where we don't know what's happening with what and what. We don't know who's coming through the border. We don't know if they're vaccinated. We don't know if they're being kicked out of public school because they may have had contact with somebody. Right. But that's not a big deal. It's a big deal when it happens to my kid. And yeah, I'm taking it personal just a little bit. Now, Joe Biden thinks he's going to win and I'm going to play that cut for you. It's really funny, but we're going to get to that. But what I wanted to get to was Joe Biden's big statement yesterday. A winter of death, death, death. Listen to this. Due to the steps we've taken, Omicron has not yet spread as fast as it would have otherwise done, and that's happening in Europe. But it's here now, and it's spreading, and it's going to increase. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. For themselves, their families, and the hospitals, they'll soon overwhelm. But there's good news. If you're vaccinated, you have your booster shot, you're protected from severe illness and death, period. Now, did Joel Mavoso Biden get this advice instead of from Dr. Fauci, the Fauchster? Did he get it from Essential Andy Cuomo, the disgraced former governor of New York? Because he said something like that about a year ago, right? He was saying things like the hospitals are going to run out of beds. We're going to run out of ventilators. We're going to run out. We're going to run out. We need 40,000 ventilators. And what ended up happening? Trump said, oh, my gosh, I'll send you a, a hospital ship, a whole ship. You could put a thousand people on there. I will send you ventilators. I will use the uh, what's that production act called? The, we're going to use that and force GM to make you guys the uh, the production act. Somebody call in <laughs> and and force people to, to make these. And they did it and they increased it. And boom, there we were. Problem solved. Punto y final. Or like my dad would say, mata al perro y se acaba la rabia. You kill a rabid dog. It's not rabid anymore. So that's where we are. That's where he gets his advice, apparently, because we're going to be overwhelmed yet again with this thing that's not even killing people. But we're going to be overwhelmed with the thing that the lady who discovered it. Dr. Coat Z said 
mild symptoms. It's mild symptoms. So we're going to overwhelm the hospitals because people are getting, I, I just, I don't want to be an incredible skeptic here. I just think there, the data just doesn't, you know, the two is not adding to the two to make the four, if you know what I mean. But this is where they are. And of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Fauchster, he says we might need to get more restrictive if cases continue to go up. Well, what do you think happens in cold and flu season? And by the way, it's December. Listen to this. But you got to follow what's going on. If the counts keep going up and the, and the test positivity keeps going up, we may need to be more restrictive. But for right now, people who are vaccinated and boosted should feel reasonably comfortable. The risk is never zero. That's for sure. Okay, the risk is never zero. You know, the risk has never, ever, ever been zero with anything. I walk outside. I got to look both ways before I cross that street. The risk is never zero. I would love to rename this guy. I would change his last name to Dejo and his first name to Penn. You figure that one out. Good old Dr. Penn Dejo. Now, Dr. Fauci, he's not the only one that says we got to get more restrictive. We got to take this a little bit further and get a little bit more aggressive. No, Bill de Blasio. I like to call him Bill El Bobo de Blasio. He was on CNN yesterday and he says, you know what? We got to hit people in the pocketbook like a good communist that he is, putting his hand as far as he can into your pocket. Check this out. So I come back to that point where unless everybody's on the same page in the country, we're kind of screwed. And you know how you get on the same page? People have to lead. So look, I believe with enough leadership, enough mandates, we're going to get a hell of a lot more people vaccinated. The more people vaccinated, the more we actually make the transition to a time when COVID is in the background, not the foreground. And we know these mandates work and we know people respond. Look, human beings are pretty predictable. If you say your paycheck depends on it or your ability to enjoy life and go do the things you want to do, people will make the practical decision overwhelmingly and they'll go get vaccinated. But we aren't pushing hard enough. We got to go farther. Wow. Now, I'm going to stop this right here because he just said you're. Let me see. I don't have the whole transcript, but he said um, enjoying your life. Right. Or words to that effect. I translate that to the preamble of the United States Constitution that says the pursuit of life, liberty and, you know, the pursuit of happiness. Your ability to enjoy life. That's the quote from de Blasio. He wants to impede your pursuit of happiness, your ability to enjoy life. This is a mayor elected by people, at least, you know, allegedly. That's saying he wants to end your ability to enjoy your life because of a choice that you may or may not have made uh, with because um, some people are not getting the vaccine because their doctor said they can't take it or whatever and whatnot. But who's he to make choices for you? And he thinks he's God in New York City. He's just totally taken over. He wants to take your money away and your livelihood. Now, we've, we've had this conversation before. But how brazen is that for someone to just come straight out and say, look, we will end your cash flow, bro. It's over. It's a stick up. Put them up. The politicians have taken their masks off. They're actually stick up kids. It's insane that he is so brazen. Now, people think, well, he's only so brazen because he's on his way out. And the next guy, oh, he's going to be the second coming. I don't think so. Nobody likes to give up power. I mean, what they may do is turn New York into a police state. To get more power, not to rein in the crime that's running rampant all over the place. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a cynic. Maybe I'm one of those people that just doesn't uh, that doesn't just believe in this stuff. But I want to take one call before we go. Let's go to Jason. Uh, caller five. 
Jason, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez, Mark Levin Show. Ah, he's not doing it right either. (laughs) Jason fell asleep at the wheel. But what he wanted to say was that the state of our country is down, but not out. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. The Constitution has been damaged, but it's not destroyed. We can crawl and then walk and run our way out of this. But we have to start now. And by we, I really mean you. You all by yourself. You with no money. You with nothing but heart and a burning passion to see this country succeed. That's what will save America. Anyway, I'm Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S on all the social media. Filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. At Rich Valdez on all the social media. Filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Phone number is 877-381-3811. We're going to get to your calls in a moment. But I just wanted to finish a thought about public schools. You know, I was looking at um, uh, one of the websites I go to very often for information is justfacts.com. And they have this thing called the question of the day. And the question was, when private and charter schools... Uh, implement choice programs in municipalities or cities when it's implemented do children who remain in conventional public schools academically decline and it says yes or no and the answer is no at least 21 high quality studies have been performed on the academic outcomes of students who remain in public schools that are subject to a school choice program and all but one of the studies found neutral or positive results and none of the studies found negative results This is consistent with the theory that school choice stimulates competition and induces public schools to improve. That's something I totally believe in, which is why I got involved in the school choice and charter school movement years ago. And I bring that up because we need more of that. That's how you get these schools to be on their toes when they have competition. When a parent says, you know what, I'd rather go to that school than that school. And that's so critical. And I keep going back to that just because that's part of my DNA. Education, I believe in it. I walked away, you know, I'll tell you another funny story. Hopefully we'll still have time for the calls. The uh, the other day, Mark Levin opens up the show, right? And he's talking about this uh, this clip where he plays this, uh, I don't know, it was a transsexual professor from NYU that was discussing some stuff about uh, homosexuality and transsexualism and all of this stuff, transgenderism, excuse me. And what I thought was interesting here was... That's where I went to college when, you know, when I went to college, I went to NYU and I had a very similar experience. Uh, There was a conservative uh, Orthodox Jew young lady that sat next to me and she and I were the only people that ended up ever challenging anything that the very left wing professor would teach and talk about. I mean, they even went as far. I remember at that time he brought in a substitute teacher, uh, professor, and that substitute opened up the class with, you know, saying, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, sexuality and a sociology class. And he, in part of his introduction, he says, you know, because I'm gay. And I thought, why do we care? Why do we need to know what your sexual preference is in order to learn about sociology? And it just, it was all part and parcel of this Marxist movement to indoctrinate young people, which I didn't know at the time. And I eventually said, I'm out of here. Screw this. Forget about it. So I, I left and I never looked back. And I'm glad I did, because I think I'm a lot smarter today because of that. But a lot of people get caught up into that. So I wanted to bring that up because it was like a full circle moment for me. It was literally 20 years ago that that happened. And I just found that to be very, very interesting. And I wanted to share that with you. Now, 
I want to talk about organizing, but I also want to get to some of the calls. So before we get to the organizing, we'll get to some of the calls. Let's see. Who did I see here? Blah, blah, blah. We've got a... Steven, that's right. Caller 2, calling from Flint, Michigan. Big shout out to Michigan. What's up, Steven? You're on with Rich Valdez, filling in for the great one. All right, Big Rich, and I got sick of school in uh, the second week of kindergarten. The country has to realize, right, the country has to realize what's going on right now. This country is not at the crossroads. We're past the crossroads. Tipping scale, we've already tipped. Mm -hmm. So we have to get a president in there who immediately, on day one, no nonsense, get rid of those Republican guys who were, you know, honeycombed with these establishment, put that military down the border, stop illegal immigration, cold, squash the drug dealers down there who are poisoning our kids. And then we also have to move along the lines of, wait a minute, the 65 Immigration Act has rebuilt the Democratic Party. No matter what Dick Morris says, California is Exhibit A out there. Then we have to look along the lines of, wait a minute, what is going on in our schools? We cannot be teaching our children porno. We cannot be teaching our kids that whites are the R word. So what we're going to either do is pull our kids out of the school, or they're going to change, or we're going to put the kids in private schools or homeschool them. And then when it comes to uh, kinds of everything in this country, it's race, everything is race identity, employment, and everything that race quotas. We're going to pull it out by the roots, folks. That is the winning issue of the day. Not talking about Fauci. No, the Fauci, folks, let me tell you what he is. He is a front man for the establishment to protect China. China the Chinese communists put this poison inside our land, killing our people, turning our economy upside down, and they should be sued. They have assets in this country. They should be sued for billions upon billions of dollars what they did to this country. You can have any kind of a belief you want. Did they do this to get Trump out of office because he was hitting up with tariffs? Hey, you got a legitimate argument there. Did they do this because they want to establish a firm strength around the world, which they are doing right now? They're dropping their population everywhere in the world. They're taking over everything. We are now like a colony of China. We send them the raw material. They send us back the finished product. That is unacceptable because they can control our economy through that, and they destroyed us with this virus. Now, I'm asking the people out there, don't buy no more the nonsense about people like the Dairy Queen out in San Francisco. We've got to stop talking about them and saying, this is what we're going to do. He's letting the legals in here, the cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs in the White House. We're <laughs> going to start deporting illegals inside this country. No Boom. more nonsense. I don't want to hear about Fauci. He's a Keebler elf. It's Christmas time. It's your country, folks. It's not the communist Chinese uh, country. It's not the Republican establishment's country who they have now sent billions of dollars worth of jobs and companies into China, and they rebuilt those communists you know, in Steve, China. Uh, I think that you need to take that energy, keep that energy, and you need to run on a ticket with Trump in 24. Steve for VP, everybody. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Thank you so much for that call. I appreciate it. The music means we got to go. And I like that accent. I didn't know that was a Michigan accent. I got a story about an accent like that when we come back. Don't move a muscle, Rich Valdez. I am sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What's up, America? Rich Valdez filling in for the great one tonight. Our phone number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Going to get to your calls in a little bit. 
It's been great speaking to people all across the country. We've talked about a few things. If you're just uh, tuning in right now, I know a lot of people tune in hour three. Hour three is the most explosive hour of this program because we kind of catch up to the West Coast at this time. So never miss hour number three of the Mark Levin Show. Now, check this out. I was reading this article on The Thinking Conservative, and it talks about this vicious communist propaganda and this this uh, publication that they have called The Crusader, written by Robert F. Williams. Now, I'm talking about an older publication from a while back, but one of the organizers of the Revolutionary Action Movement, and in an issue of The Crusader, they called not only for extensive chaos within cities, but for putting the torch to every village, every forest, every field, and every barn. Now, recently Ron DeSantis was talking about smash and grab robberies and how this organized chaos comes about. So I want you to hear what he had to say, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about what's in this magazine, The Crusader. Check this out. We're doing a lot for law enforcement in this state. Uh, if you look at what's going on across the country, you know, they attacked law enforcement. They wanted to defund law enforcement. And now what do you have? You have smash and grabs everywhere. You have all kinds of problems on the streets of these cities. You even have the mayor of San Francisco saying, acknowledging the city's totally out of control. And you see it in different parts of the country. And so when you do those policies, when you don't support the people in uniform, you know, guess what, who ends up benefits? The criminals benefit, uh, not the law-abiding citizens. And so we have in Florida, since I've been governor, you know, we've supported law enforcement 100% because it's important to make sure that our communities are safe it's important to make sure communities are safe and that's exactly what communist revolutionaries want to fight against and i think people see this and they think oh no 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 these are people that are looking for reparations or these are people that are speaking out against uh, the establishment and or these are people like aoc said right she said these are people that need to uh they need to feed their families that's why they've got a screen tv under their arm as they're looting a store we all know it's bs even the, the mayor, he's talking about London Breed. She called it out and she said, we got to stop the BS, stop the progressive policies that have caused this. And she kept it real. She said they got $12 billion in, in tax revenue in a place that has, you know, less than I forget how many citizens, meaning people are paying a lot of money to live in San Francisco. And if you follow the news, you've seen people opening their trunk doors, opening their car doors, leaving their windows open so they don't have to pay the damage of getting the smash and grab and having to pay for the window to be replaced. They're like, just rob me without breaking my window. Absolute insanity that this would even happen. I hope somewhere Snopes or somebody is going to say, oh, we fact checked that. That was just left wing propaganda. I hope it's fake. Because if people are actually going to the store, going to work, going to the bodega, going wherever they go. And they're just leaving their trunk open and opening their window saying, hey, steal my quarters, you know, steal my easy pass. Man, we got a problem. And of course, we do have a problem. And this is why we saw last summer the fires that were burning from from building to building. And it, it, I'm talking about this because I recently sat down and I spoke with somebody, the son of Sam, not the son of Sam killer you're thinking about. I'm talking about a different son, of a guy named Sam Melville. And I spoke with his son, Josh, and he wrote a book about his dad who was radicalized by left-wing groups. And it's a fascinating story, and you can check it out on my podcast, This Is America with Rich Valdez, which you can get on any of the platforms, iHeartRadio, or right in the podcast app in your phone. Just click subscribe so you never miss an episode. But 
it was fascinating because he was explaining as a little kid looking up to his dad that he saw how his dad started adhering more to Marxism and he learned it from his dad. And these guys were avowed Marxists and they got more involved. And as an engineer, he was tasked with building a bathroom in South Africa somewhere and decided, you know what? These guys are apartheid. And I get the moral uh, debate. I do. But he took it so many steps further that he, he ended up losing his job and started bombing stuff. And he became a radicalized American Marxist bomber. Absolute insanity. It's a great conversation. I really do urge you to check it out. Not just hawking my stuff, shameless self-promotion, but really I think it, there's value to listening to that conversation of how it tore a family apart, how this dad became so radicalized to the left, an American-born guy. And it, it makes you think, is this happening all over again? Because that happened in the 60s, and this guy ended up blowing up 14 different fe federal buildings, got sent to prison, and was killed in jail. Are we there again now? I mean, it looked like we were getting there last summer, but there's a reason that the communists use fire and these fire bombs. And according to this magazine that I was talking about, the Crusader, they want that extensive chaos within the cities, putting torch to every village, every forest and every barn. The plan is for raging fires from one city to the next. The reason, well, and I'm reading from this article, first, there's value to sheer destruction. Secondly, it would force us to deploy our defenses and rescue units over the widest possible area. They want to thin out the police and the emergency responders. The communists point out that as long as our police and National Guard remain concentrated, they're invincible. But if they can be forced to spread out over an entire city and into the countryside as well, they can be picked off from an ambush, one by one. And the third value of massive fire to the communists it's psychological. The average American, they say, is soft and decadent. When he sees billows of black smoke raising from one horizon to the other, they freak out. When at night, the only light that they can see is the flickering red flames leaping into the sky, they become paralyzed with fear and panic, saying that the American will run away and hide and do nothing to interfere with a guerrilla uh, group that's coming to strike at these community power centers. The Crusader also explains how to set up sniper units in crowded metropolitan areas, how to manufacture jumbo Molotov cocktails, the gallon jug size, and how to mix gasoline with certain other ingredients to make it burn like napalm, how to pour gasoline into utility manholes in the streets to set fire to the main telephone cables, how to put sulfur tips from matches into air conditioning units and blow up large buildings. They also talk about how to ignite gas mains and oil storage tanks. It explains how radio-controlled model airplanes can be used to fly explosive charges over heavily guarded fences. Gasoline storage, ammunition, it goes on and on. You know, I'll tweet this out so you can read it. And Robert Williams, who uh, is the editor of the, uh, the Crusader, wrote about this. And mind you, this stuff was written not yesterday, not last year, 1928. 1928. This is what they're taught today. They have way more advanced technology to do what they're doing. So why am I talking about this? Because this is the battle that we're up against. We started today talking about a battle between good versus evil. And that's exactly what it is. And this is why the communist uses fire. And I always find that interesting because it's the chaos. They create the chaos. You've heard Levin talk about Frances uh, Fox Pivens and her husband. Uh, what's his name? Richard Cloward. 
and the Cloward and Piven uh, strategy of overwhelming the system, using the system to break the system. Once you start looking at this stuff and you read it and you start knowing about it, you realize, man, there's a whole lot of communism going on. There's just a whole lot of it out there. And that's why I want to point that out, because now we've got Joe El Baboso Biden sitting in the White House. And whether he knows it or not, whether it's wittingly or unwittingly, he plays by this playbook. And this is not good for America, clearly. And like the caller before, the guy with the, who, who had three or four uh, cafe con leches before he called, and he was terrific. I'm voting for him. He said it's about China, and it's about it's, they're coming after us, and they're not coming. They've come. They're not conquering. They've conquered. He's right. That's how Levin opens his book. We're now fighting back. The burglar's in the house. We've got to get them out. That's where we're at. So I think this is a, an eye-opening thing. And for Joe Biden... To think for a second with the chance of let's go Brandon across America that he's going to take a Republican. And again, I don't want to be overconfident, but I don't think Biden's the guy to win. Maybe some other Democrat, but not Biden. But he says uh, regarding the 2022 midterms, he wants to tell all his Republican friends to get ready, pal, because Joe Biden's coming for you. Listen to this. Now we look at 2022. I want to tell my Republican friends, get ready, pal. You're going in for a problem. And we need to stay unified. Yeah, we we do need to stay unified. And when you're the chief of divide and conquer, a.k.a. Joel Baboso Biden, things aren't going good for America. So Joe Biden's a clown. We're going to get to your calls. I got a few more things I want to talk about, about organizing and uh, get your thoughts on this stuff. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, 877-381-3811 is the phone number, 877-381-3811 if you want to disagree. And I am the chief diversity officer of the Mark Levin Show. I bet you didn't know that. I am in charge of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Of course, I'm kidding. But uh, being the, um, the, the only other person here that speaks another language, <laughs> I've appointed myself this title. And no, I am not drinking the Puerto Rican eggnog known as Coquito right now. But I will be with you guys again on Tuesday, the 21st. And when I am on Tuesday, I may or may not have a little bit of Coquito with me because that's already Christmas week and that's how we do. But I want to say... That uh, regarding radio and whatnot, a uh, big shout out to WPHT, Philly in the building and uh, KTTH and all the great stations out there. So many of them. But I'll be on a couple of those in the next couple of weeks. So make sure if you're in those areas, check it out. Uh, tune into the show. This is America with Rich Valdez. And of course, over the weekend, do not miss Life, Liberty and Levin. Mark has two amazing guests, uh, former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe and Dr. Michael Pillsbury. And they're talking about who? China. China. China's very bad. It's a big threat. They're going to explain everything soup to nuts. So make sure you don't miss Life, Liberty, and Levin with the great one Mark Levin on the Fox News Channel this Sunday. Now, I want to talk about a, a, a few different things. There's a lot going on here. I mean, obviously, Christmas came early because the Senate parliamentarian has slowed down the Build Back Better uh, agenda. 
saying that you, you can't spend all that kind of money. You just can't do it. You keep repackaging the same thing and we just can't do it that way. So they're not going to be able to have child care and all this other stuff that they were planning on giving to non-citizens. Not to mention, and this wasn't on my agenda, but it's just something that really irks me. This whole bill that was passed in New York City to allow non-citizens to vote. My goodness, how bad can things be? I mean, things are bad. I, you know, I was born in Brooklyn and moved across the river to New Jersey and did, you know, uh, high school over here and it's part of junior high school here. And I got to tell you, I, I like Jersey. Jersey's cool. I'm four miles from Times Square from where I'm right now. And it's terrific. It's terrific, minus the public school drama that I mentioned earlier today. But we have a lot of work to do because New York City is really, really, what, what was it that Bob Grant used to say? Going to hell in a handbasket. So we've got to keep an eye open for that. And I'm going to get to your calls. I see a lot of really good calls here. I just, there was a few things that I wanted to talk about because there's, there's these stories, right? I mean, there's this COVID story that I want to get to. Maybe not get to now, but I'm just going to tease it a little bit. They're holding back vaccines from migrants. Refugees are lacking COVID shots because drug makers are fearing lawsuits, according to documents. This is in Reuters. I will get to that or tweet it out, hopefully. But I, I think this is part of uh, the, the bigger issue. People are saying, oh, now we're not giving, we're not giving you the vaccine because there might be a, a concern, right? Tens of millions of migrants may be denied COVID-19 vaccines from a global program because some major manufacturers are worried about legal risks from harmful side effects. This is according to officials and internal documents from Gavi, the charity operating the program, reviewed by Reuters. Wow. <coughs> Excuse me. So, what do we do with that? I mean, well, it makes me think of good old Joe Biden. And he says, well, we're just not going to count the vaccinated. Did you hear that one? I want you to hear this. Check this out. We vaccinated 57 uh, excuse me, uh, 570, excuse me, I don't want to read, I'm not sure I got the right number, the total number of boosters is what? <laughs> 57, 57 million boosters, 1 million a day. 57 years ago, that's when you started working in politics, sir. 1 million a day, 57 million, he doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know how to count, this guy's our president. What is it that Mark says? Oi, Gewalt. I mean, that is so, so depressing. But anyway, I don't want to keep everybody on hold forever. We're going to get to the calls. 877-381-3811. Let's go to Aura, uh, Orin, excuse me, Orin, calling from the Navajo tribe. What's up, brother? You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, good evening. Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. Me? Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Navajo tribe listening. <laughs> Amen. Hey. What's on your mind, hey. brother? Yeah, I, I want to say that uh, China is a big threat. Um, you know, everything came from China. You know, everything's made in China. And this COVID was made in China, and it was deliberated to us. It was brought to, uh, to us to yeah. suffer. Yeah, and Fauci uh, said that wasn't the case, but then he said, yeah, I, I think it actually happened. Uh, it was not gain-of-function. Yes, no, it is gain-of-function. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and the vaccines, they work. Oh, but sometimes they don't work. Oh, but the kids, oh, but the HIV. I mean, this, the, the audio that we've been hearing from Fauci, you don't know if he's coming or going, but you're right. China's a huge threat, and guys like Fauci and so many other politicians are right in their pocket. Yeah, some of us are beginning to think that... that um the Democrats had something to do with it. 
you know, it was me. Well, no question. Absolutely. You got a Democrat president, all the Democrats in Congress trying to cover everything up. I mean, without question, this is their idea of a, of a good time. Hey, let's fund bat research and gain a function and make something more lethal than it needs to be. This is what they've done, and they've kept it under wraps whenever they're in power. And you're 100% right. China is no good, no bueno, bad news for the United States. Thank you, Oren, for the call. We appreciate it because... A, for listening from the Navajo Nation, and B, for calling into the show. And uh, let's do one, one, no, actually not one more, not yet. What we'll do is we'll get into the topic that we were talking about, which is that we're nearly two years into this pandemic that Oren just mentioned, and it's already killed more than 5 million people globally. 7% of people in low-income countries have received a single dose, only 7%. So this is what's going on with the vaccine and why they're not giving it to refugees. Is that what Joe Biden's doing at the border? I don't know. One can only speculate. But we're going to get to that. I want to get to another story. There's a lot of things. Plus, I want to talk about inside baseball. Some of the stuff that happens behind the scenes here on the Mark Levin Show about my buddy, Mr. Producer. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. Rich Valdez in for the great one. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. He's not even, he's, nobody was happy that he won. They were just happy Trump lost. You know what I mean? Biden's just uh, rebound president. <laughs> but 2024, we won't get back with our ex. Come on. Oh, Canada, you ready for watching more American news? Uh, it's like for sounds great joke. Yep, I think in 2024, if El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, if he decides to run, I think he's got a tremendous shot at winning. And there's been so many polls out there that uh, describe the same. But welcome back, Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin tonight. And uh, thank you for being with us. I uh, I love hosting this particular show. Uh, I love hosting my own show, by the way, <laughs> This Is America. But I, I love this show because the audience is just so uh, in tune to what's going on. And, and they call in and they have such great opinions. And it's it, you get opinions from all across the country. Right now, we got a full jam-packed call board from New York City to Scranton, Pennsylvania, Detroit, Michigan, California. I mean, it's just all over the place. So I thank you all for calling in and being part of the show. Now, there's this poll, and, you know, polls, numbers tend to, I, there is a reason that I talk on a microphone, right? You know, I get in this little soundproof booth, a little padded room, and I talk into a microphone because I happen to be okay at this. But numbers, not so much, right? It's kind of like uh, that alphabet soup from when you were a kid. The numbers and the letters, they go everywhere. It kind of sets my dyslexia into overdrive. But I'm looking at this poll here. Wall Street Journal came out earlier this week. And since the left would describe me as brown, I, I thought, man, this is pretty interesting. Headline, Wall Street Journal, Hispanic voters now evenly split between parties, according to the Wall Street Journal poll. Look at that. And it goes on. And basically, it's 37 percent of Hispanics say they will vote for Donald Trump again compared to 37 percent of Democrats. Uh, uh, Hispanics are split 37, 37. Democrat, Republican. I find that to be remarkable because forever and a day it's always been in the 60s and it's remarkable that we've gone that way now i think again it's just like cypher sounds joke some of them are are 
they just hate Biden so much that they're like, man, I can't afford this guy. You know, nice as he is with his aviator glasses and his little jokes. And he's always like, where, where do I go? What, what do I say? Oh, I, who do I call on? You know, Joe El Baboso Biden being the Baboso that he is. But people just are legitimately can't afford to keep Biden in office. He's costing us a lot of money. They're spending trillions of dollars where even the, the parliamentarians telling him you can't do it. Then he also gets word that, you know what, the good old $450,000 per person, that could be up to a million. Yeah, guess what? Can't do that one either. We're going to have to litigate those one by one and let the chips fall where they may. No uh, pre-approved settlement. So Joe Biden can't give out the money. I guess Christmas has come early for America. And thank God that we're going to curtail some of our spending. But that doesn't stop anything. When they can't do Build Back Better, they just hit you with the vaccine and with the mandates and with COVID and all of that stuff. Now, I was looking at uh, the, the cut sheet, and I see there's a piece here of John King on CNN, and he's there bashing Trump. Now, mind you, Trump's gone, but bashing Trump because they're afraid of Trump. They're afraid that Trump's going to come back. And this is the type of stuff that I get into on in, in a regular basis. I go to buy my cafecito from the Cuban spot over here, and the guy's like, look, I agree with everything that you say except Trump. And now this is a guy that came to America on a jet ski. And I'm not making fun of him. I'm applauding him. He, during the wet foot, dry foot law during uh, Bill Clinton, he had one dry foot on land and he was allowed to come to America. And he knows communism firsthand. But he says that Trump reminds him of the autocratic style that he grew up watching Fidel Castro display. And I say, bro, you're watching too much CNN. And then I look at the cut sheet that Mr. Producer Rich Dementa put uh, out for me, and I say, oh, my gosh, that's what CNN does. Listen to this. Uh, we sometimes get numb to this and we forget it. Uh, but more than the population of San Francisco has died in the covid pandemic and the former president of the United States bears some responsibility for it. Plain and simple. Some people will get mad. I said that. But the former president of the United States bears responsibility for the size of that number. Plain and simple. And let's connect the dots, because this is what's dangerous. A lot of people are going to say, there you go. The media is looking back at Trump again. So the president of the United States put his reelection he valued that more than American lives, more than the public safety, the public health of the American people. And this is important. People around him helped him. Right. That same that same former president then valued holding on to power more than the democratically elected results of the presidential election. And the people around him helped him. That is an autocrat, a dangerous autocrat who is hurting his country and using his power for him, not for you and me and everybody watching. You know, so that's exactly the rhetoric that I got from my buddy. And this guy's a nice guy. He, he literally, we talk about things, right is right, wrong is wrong. He hates the left. He hates communism. But he doesn't like Trump because he says that he's an autocrat. He's a dictator in the making. And I said, show me the proof and what he's done. Show me the proof in the policies. Show me how he stepped away from absolutely everything that they could have called him an autocrat for. He hands off, put his hands behind his back, took three steps back. He said, no, no, you guys go ahead. Right. Dr. Fauci, Deborah Burks with her millions of scarves. He wasn't ever front and center on that stage until the end. He always let them go first. Do your thing. I'll give you as much rope as you need. Right. So the proof isn't in the pudding. He's he's not accurate on this, but that's his opinion. And it's because I'm guessing maybe it's CNN Espanol. Maybe he's watching MSNBC. The problem is it's so hard to get the truth from the media. Because once they go in, they go all in. 
And that's the problem we have. And now, again, Trump said it best when he said, they're, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. And he was right because he represented us. We the people. El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus. He was in their face and they hated that. Just like that caller that called him before, he's in their face. They're going to hate him too. That's why I said he should run with Trump in 24. This is the problem that we have. This is where we're at. We have to fight back because otherwise we play right into the Marxist, into the communist, into the uh, sympathetic uh, um, Bernie Sanders crowd. And nobody wants that, right? Let's go to Jim in Staten Island on caller three, on line three. Jim, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. I know very well who I'm on with. Hello, Mr. Valdez. I find you quite humorous, very entertaining. I love that you go from Spanish to English to back and forth. It's wonderful. Reminds me of when I grew up in South Brooklyn, downtown. Uh, Moving on. Now, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. When all of you talkers on the radio say, yes, and we got to do something, what do I do, a retired New York City bus driver, for 26 years, I'm retired, I'm not, I work 26 years, I'm retired, I sit here, I do my thing, I'm a faithful guy, I love my God, I love my mother, I do the best that I can, I served my penance. So when the radio hosts say, get out there something, what do I do? Do I go out running down the block, screaming, yelling? Do I? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that question, Jim, because that's actually chapter seven in American Marxism. What can we do? And Mark writes about it extensively, and he's uh, more eloquent on this topic than I. But I can tell you, I think you got to do what you got to do. And I can only use myself as an example because that's how I've lived my life. Right. I, I realize that I only have two children, so I've counseled them to please get into the areas that are blazing on fire, get into education, become a lawyer, maybe work for the government. And that's what I've encouraged my kids to do. You have to get into the system so you can do what they're doing to us. They're breaking it down from the inside. And that's critically important. Now, that's my advice to my own children. What did I do? I was doing okay in higher ed. I was doing my thing. I worked for the government for a while, for Governor Christie. I could have had the state pension and retired and and lived off the government. But I didn't, and, and not because of anything righteous and holy and whatnot. I realized I could never really subsist in the swamp. I realized I had to do the entrepreneurial thing. I had to do what I wanted to do. I didn't like media, so I said, how can I get into media? And I hit a lot of brick walls, and it wasn't easy to get into this business, but I found a way, and now I'm here, and now I talk. So this is my way of doing it, and, and when I can do more, I will do more. So write the checks, but mainly I think it's manpower. It's bodies knocking on doors, getting petitions signed, people running for the school board, people running for the city council, like a dear friend who was giving them hell in Queens in Whitestone, New York, Vicky Palladino, and guess what? She won. She won against the establishment. She won against the left. She won against everybody, and now she's going to get sworn in because she persevered. Now, we're not always going to win, but we always have to fight because if we don't fight, don't let them. Where are we at, right? It's, it's a law. So thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Big shout-out to everybody in Staten Island. And there was this other one that I wanted to go to right here. Uh, right here, Ken. Ken on five. Ken, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez, Mark Levin Show. Yeah, great uh, show. And I just wanted to quickly uh, share a piece of history uh, with you and your audience because it's a very important uh, uh, historical event that affects America today. 
quickly going back to when the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, the first thing the new Russian government did is they contacted all those uh, churches that had been established before the Russian Revolution, before the birth of the Soviet Union, and the new Russian government stated publicly that they realized a nation that is made up of atheists cannot survive. They uh, publicly stated that they knew that they had to bring morality back into their country, which didn't exist during the time of the Soviet Union. There again, no nation uh, that is made up of these type of people can stand. And what do we have here in America? We have a political party that uh, definitely has embraced Marx. And people, don't forget, our rights come from our creator, not the government, and I'd like to apply that today. Uh, Christmas is coming. And I'm not going to let the government tell me how I will celebrate Christmas with my family and with my friends. Uh, because, there again, my freedom comes from our creator. Amen to that. And I think you're 100% right. Right? We get our rights from God, not from the government. And, and you're spot on. I mean, couldn't have said it better. That's exactly what we have to do. We have to be able to, to identify the problem. And in this case, we're seeing the godless left continue to promote secular humanism throughout all of society because they realize the biggest threat to the communists because they want you to depend on the government and worship at the altar of Marx. And you can't get there if you're too busy worshiping at the altar of Christ or whichever God you embrace. But when your your God is the godless left, you're right, my brother, we've got a problem. And that's where we lose our morality, we lose virtue, and we have all sorts of problems because everything is okay. Everything is okay when you do it in the name of the left. And that's why we have to stay on track and keep it right and keep it locked right here. My name is Rich Valdez. I am filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Your calls and a couple of funny stories before we wrap. Don't move a muscle. Mark Levin. What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez, final stretch here, filling in for the Mark Levin Show. 877-381-3811 is the phone number. We're going to get to your calls right now. But one of the callers just asked, you know, what can I do? And we get that a lot. And Mark typically would say, no, what are you going to do? Right? What are you going to do? And I think it's so important that we focus on what we can do. And, and there's some big examples out there, right? Just right now, for example, right? Today's the 17th of December, straight here till the 21st, and I'll be back with you guys on the 21st. You've got Turning Point, Turning Point USA. They're doing this big America Fest out in Phoenix, Arizona. Big shout out to them. I was texting earlier in the week with uh, their chief operations guy, Tyler, and, you know, we we're talking about it. He's like, you, you could come. And I was like, oh, but my invitation got lost in the mail, you know, pulling his leg. And I realized I was going to be here and I couldn't go. But my point is they're organizing young people. They're putting a bunch of young people and other people and politically active people in a room and they're, they're, they're getting pumped up and charged and they're getting ready to fight, you know, politically. You got CPAC coming up next month or the month after. 
Matt Schlapp, Mercedes Schlapp, the whole team over there at CPAC. These guys do an amazing job. Big shout out to Ian Walters. These guys, they work tirelessly to organize people for conservative political action. You got to get involved one way or another. There's other Republican candidates that won in the city council in New York City. You've got other people that left Wall Street, like my buddy John Tobacco just sent me a text. He's listening in the car. Big shout out to him. He's out on Staten Island. There's so many people out there that are doing different things to make a difference. So I think when, when it comes to what can I do, you got to figure out, get in where you fit in, do what you do well, and figure out a way to do it and help somebody else do it because we need help all across the board. Now, I want to squeeze one in. Philly, WPHT, Robert, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go ahead. Hey, Joel, Rich. Um, hey, brother. Join your show, man. Before I get to my point, I just want to I just want to say that you know Reagan once said that Latinos were Republicans that just didn't know it yet. Yeah, I'm wondering if he's turning out to be accurate 40 years after the fact. But oh. anyway, my point, real, and I promise I will be so quick. Okay, mm-hmm. they're not going to do it. They're not going to replace Kamala before the midterms because they're afraid of the political backlash. However, after the midterms, they replace Kamala with Hillary. Hold on. I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree because I think that, again, I mean, it may happen, but it, to me it doesn't matter. Hillary's not a win. Kamala's not a win. If I had my choice, give me Kamala all day, every day, because any Republican will beat her, especially Trump. So, I mean, whatever the I don't think there's any political fallout left in a situation like this, Robert. I think that they all suck. There's no saving grace. They're going to try and go at Pete Buttigieg some way, somehow. They're trying to build a bench. These guys realize that their goose is cooked. It's over for them. They, they've gone too far to the left that people are saying, bro, yeah, basta, enough is enough. We can't do this anymore. The Democrats have just really, really messed things up. And it's unfortunate, but that's where, where we are. Uh, unfortunate for the country and fortunate for us politically that they've screwed things up so bad. Now, we have to make sure that we hold on to the momentum and that we do what we've got to do and we stay engaged and we stay active and we do everything that we've got to do so that we can win. But without that, without them screwing things up, it, it, it makes it so much easier, right? Uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for, for what they've done in that sense because – I think it's most Americans, doesn't matter where you go, what political party they're with, they're like, man, this isn't good. It's not good for me. It's not good for my pocket. So thank you, Robert. I appreciate that. And ultimately, we just got to, we've got to do this. You know, on my podcast, I typically talk about standing for something because if we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. And that's of critical importance. And Lord Acton, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. So it's time for us to do something. Big shout out to everybody. Rest in peace to Arlene. Big happy birthday to Lou. Big shout out to all the cops, the boys in blue. I've had brothers that serve. And thank you to each and every one of you that has listened this evening and called in. I appreciate it. Check out This Is America with Rich Valdez. And it's always a pleasure to fill in for the great one. Hasta la próxima. Hasta la próxima.